This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net. Reading from Mark eight twenty-seven to 30 Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way he asked them, Who do people say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, Who do you say I am? Peter answered, You are the Messiah. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. Identity matters. Your identity matters. Uh, how you see yourself, who you see yourself to be, it, it really matters. Um, some years ago, I was hiking in Denali, and I hiked up to Primrose Ridge. And I've done that hike a few different times. It, it's a nice, easy hike in a way. It's a, it, a nice view from Primrose Ridge. Uh, I see birds inevitably. I've seen doll sheep sometimes get kind of close to them, take pictures. From the top of Primrose Ridge, you can look down at the uh, Savage River Rest Area. And it just seems like it would be a lot easier to take a shortcut down there than to go, the, you know, the way you came. That's kind of a gradual way up and a longer approach up. It's almost like if, if you had a rock, you could throw it, you know, maybe three times, you'd hit the parking lot, nothing to it. So on this every time I've been do doing that hike, I've always taken the shortcut. And this time was no different. So I, I, I climb down, slide down, bushwhack through the alders, get to the bottom. About an hour or so later, I realize that my wallet is missing. driver's license, credit card, I'm sure lots of money. It's just, it's missing somewhere up on Primrose Ridge or the road less traveled. And it's prudent, you know, you got to change your credit card, especially as soon as you can. Not, you know, how likely is it somebody's going to find it? But still, you never know. You change, you get a new driver's license and all that. Your identity Especially at times like that, you think, yeah, it really matters. Last Sunday on uh, September 11th, the Anchorage Daily News had something a, a bit more significant, a, an article about identity theft. And in that article, Mark Bottomore's identity was stolen by Milton LeBlanc back in, in 2007. And for years, Mark had to deal with the consequences of that theft. For all those years, six years, he was paying the consequence of Milton and his crimes. His name, Mark, was linked to Milton and the different crimes. So over the years, he'd been arrested a couple of times. He had tried to, you know, clear his good name, and it was, he said it was a nightmare. It was a long process to have. And the two didn't even particularly look alike. And, you know, different fingerprints. Milton even was missing part of one of his fingers. You know, how could this happen? But their names were linked. Your identity matters. Even who you're linked to, it, it matters. 
So we come to our story in Mark 8. And Jesus asked his disciples, well, who do people say I am? And he said, well, uh, John the Baptist, uh, you could be Elijah, you know, one of the prophets. So right off the bat, it's a pretty impressive list. It's, he's listed among the greats. Elijah, during his ministry, even was told that he raised the dead. There was an account in, in 1 Kings 17, 21 and 22, where he raised a boy to life that, that was the only son of, of a widow lady. Pretty impressive. And at this point in Jesus' ministry, John had already been beheaded. So if you think of these two people, John, Elijah, maybe the people were saying, Jesus is someone who was returned from beyond the grave with superhuman powers. And yet, okay, so he's being linked to Elijah and John the Baptist, but that's not an accurate linkage and connection. So he says to his disciples, well, who do you say that I am? And this, this is one of those places where it is really good that we have both Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all talking about the life of Christ, but they have different perspectives, different angles. And Matthew and Luke also have a reference to this specific question of Peter's. And if you cross-reference Matthew sixteen sixteen, Luke nine twenty, here's the answer you get to, okay, who do you say that I am? And you'll get the answer... You are the Christ, Son of the living God. You'll get you are the Messiah. You will get you are the anointed one. Those three words are phrases. Christ is Greek for Messiah. So if we talk about Jesus Christ, we're talking about Jesus the Messiah. Messiah is Hebrew for anointed one. And in, in, in terms of anointing, things and people are anointed to, to set them apart for God's use. They have a special purpose. And it's what they used to do and what people still do today in anointing. You can, you can see in a way when you, when you look at Christ or Messiah or the anointed one, why the, the different authors, maybe they used a different name for who Jesus is. So, the tabernacle back in the Old Testament, the tabernacle and all its furnishings were anointed. They were set apart for special use. Prophets, priests, kings were anointed to, to signify that God had chosen them for special work, set aside for God's purposes. And God revealed that he was sending a Messiah for a special purpose, his anointed one, to bring peace and to set up his kingdom. That's wonderful, except there was no consensus as to exactly what the Messiah would look like, exactly what the Messiah in that kingdom, what it would look like. So there was a bit of confusion. In fact, a lot of people... If, they were, if you were to ask them, okay, what, what's the Messiah going to do when he comes, they might gravitate kind of to the, the immediate political situation and say, hey, he's going to deliver us from our Gentile rulers, specifically the, the Roman leaders. He's going to be that kind of a deliverer. 
Jesus was ever so careful not to give the wrong impression about what his ministry was. And, and that's why he was telling this, is thinking of that verse 30 where he says, hey, don't tell anybody that I'm the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one. It, it's going to create the wrong impression. They're going to misunderstand who I am. Jesus wanted to reveal himself, who he is, his ministry on his own terms, in his, in his own timing. Uh, I take notes in, in the margin of my Bible. I, I take it all the time. And, and most of the time, they're very serious notes and scholarly notes. <laughs> well, but, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about, and I take notes on messages and things I read, but when I was reading this, I don't know, it was a couple of months ago, just in my own personal reading, I had this frivolous thought, and I thought, I'm going to write that down in the margin and just put a little smiley face, so if anybody ever reads it in the future, after, you know, they look, pick up my Bible, it's like, what in the world? They'll know I'm, I'm, I'm joking a little bit, but next to that, that spot where it says, hey, don't tell anybody about me, I wrote this. Superheroes keep their identity secret. You know, I think of Superman and Spider-Man and Batman, and they're wearing masks and costumes and things like that, and it's like, yeah, okay. They keep their identity secret, maybe in part, and, and the resources, the, the special powers and connections they have, secrets so somebody doesn't try to manipulate them and use them for evil purposes and so forth. On a more serious note, though, Jesus... He's got to be careful with this identity stuff because people want to make him out to be more of a political leader. And it's like, ah. Uh, his plan is, is far more grand, far more grand than, than anybody there would ever uh, expect. In terms of the Messiah part, he was coming as a suffering Messiah. You talk about thinking out of the box, they would have never thought of that in a million years. And he came to die for the sins of the whole world. G giving forgiveness that reached back in time all the way back to Adam. Forgiveness that reached forward to, to you and I today that we can have forgiveness and so forth. It's such a global reach. G giving hope for today. Hope for all eternity. His mission was far more grand than they would ever have thought. So he had to be careful about his identity. He needed to reveal it on his own terms. And when I think even by way of application, really each of us need to come to, to terms with who Jesus is for ourselves. You know, I can stand up here and say, okay, he's, he's the savior of the world, he's, he's the king, he's got his kingdom that he's inaugurated, but you have to embrace that or not on your own. In, in preparing this sermon, I thought, okay, Jesus asked, who do people say that I am? Uh-huh. I understand, okay, so that's around the region of Galilee and Jerusalem and all that. I wonder what people around Eagle River would say if you asked them, well, who is Jesus? So I asked a couple of people, and it was nobody that goes to the church here, and actually nobody that I knew well enough to already anticipate what their answer was going to be. Okay, so very casual. And, and the first person I asked, who is Jesus? 
said, I don't know. Now, what does that mean? I suspect the little bit that I know him, maybe he had a different religious belief. Maybe it was Buddhist. I'm not, I'm not really sure, but he said, I don't know. And maybe even in saying that, it was like, hey, just, you know, I don't really want to talk about it. Okay. I asked another person, a lady, who was Jesus? And she said, it, it was kind of a questioning tone in her voice. She said, um, the son of God? Kind of like, I, I think this is the answer I'm supposed to be giving you, but, you know, I'm not positive or, you know, I don't embrace it fully. I don't think people around Eagle River that there's a, a, a common consensus if you ask them, who is Jesus? Not, not a whole lot different than when Jesus asked, okay, who do people say I am? It, it's not that there isn't, you know, a definite identity, that he's God in the flesh, God in human form, that, that he is the Savior of the world. But, but people don't embrace that. It, it can be a very personal, individual thing. So without that consensus, okay, Jesus has to be careful. I want to shift gears a, a little bit and think, okay, how does this passage relate to me? Th- this is what I do devotionally. You know, you read something like this. It's just a few verses. Okay, what does that relate to, you know, everyday life? And I think about it still with, with the topic of identity, because that's what the passage is about. Who do people say I am? Who do you say I am? Identity, okay. How does it relate to me? Wh- what is my identity? Who am I? Okay. How, how do I see myself? Identity? You know, you could answer that in, in all kinds of ways. Okay. Are you outgoing or quiet or athletic or smart or caring or generous, tall, short? You know, it, d- different adjectives. But w- what about thinking spiritually? And I, and I understand even that is a car- compartmentalizing of, of our life. But if, if we love Christ... If we love the Messiah, his, his kingdom, if you love him, do you see yourself as, as a child of God? I mean, do you really see yourself? Wow, I'm, I'm a child of God. Do, do you see yourself that way when you look in the mirror? C.S. Lewis said this. Thank you, George, for the quote. We are who we believe we are. We are who we believe we are. It, it, identity, it really gets to the core of our being, that the taproot goes way down deep. Sometimes it takes a while. You look in the mirror, who am I? Yeah, I'm a Christian, but does it really sink in? I'm a child of God. This is a story of a girl who was the, the, the daughter of some royal family in Europe. And, but, but she was born, she had a particularly large nose, okay? So she saw herself as ugly, you know, look at my nose kind of a thing. So the family, they got money and so forth, resources. They hired the best plastic surgeon to do surgery on her nose. And... They, you know, whatever is normal or in human measurements considered beautiful, they create her nose to look that way. 
and it's 100% successful. And so after, you know, the, the stitches and the bruising and what, after it all heals up, she, she's beautiful now from, from human measurements, but she looks in the mirror and right off the bat she starts crying and says, I knew it wouldn't work. Identity, it, it gets so deep and we can even change and it might not seem like it, it, it didn't stick deep down. We can still, in a sense, see ourselves how we used to be. Pastor Brad, I, I, I was thinking of this message, and then he's preaching last Sunday, and he's talking about Sabbath rest. And he's talking about how we find ourselves, our true identity, in silence and solitude. You know, we, we run around 100 miles an hour. How are we going to take time to, to live out our identity? It, it takes time. It takes actually... Regular, and you think of the Sabbath rest, a regular pattern of solitude to reflect, who am I? Whose am I? Doesn't just happen overnight. I've got a couple of passages that, if, if you have a mind to, to turn in your Bibles and find, or else jot a note down and look at later, I'm, I'm going to direct you to. And the first one, I think there, there are important passages on identity. And the first one is 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 to 11. And I'm going to read it. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. And it says this. Do you not know that, that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? And, and then it, it's just going to make a list of a, you know, examples of, of the wicked. Don't be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, adulterers, prostitutes, homosexual offenders, thieves, greedy, drunkards, slanders, swindlers. You could probably go on, but you get the idea. None of them will inherit the kingdom of God. And then here's, here's a wonderful, verse 11, and that's what some of you were. That, that's what your identity used to be. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. Your identity can change. Who you are, if, if, it, if it's bad, negative, can become in time who you were. <laughs> you, you don't have to be who you are. And it can change. I understand it's it, easier said than done, and, it, and it's a process Again, the whole, the whole idea of Sabbath and solitude and reflection, it, it, it takes that on a regular basis to embrace, yeah, I'm a, I'm a child of God. And we live out of that identity. Jocko Younger, he's a, he's a, a counselor, he's a person that attends here. He said this about identity. As I persistently seek to know Christ and allow Him to draw me closer to Him, the more and more I am able to find 
and identify who I am, okay, my identity, in him. So he's, he's persistently seeking to know Christ, drawing closer, the more he's able to find, identify who he, he is in him. He goes on, my perspective of the world and people and the life he has given me has drastically changed since I became a believer, follower of Christ. I thought doing what I wanted and striving to get what I wanted was the path to happiness. I have learned through his grace, mercy, the forgiveness of trial and error, that the more I choose to live my life for him, the greater sense of genuine fulfillment, joy, and peace I am blessed to walk in. I talked to another uh, Christian counselor that goes here, uh, Dr. Larry Severson, about identity. And in that conversation, he was saying, I can't understand my identity apart from my identity in Christ. Your identity, this is talking about if you're a Christian. If you're you're not, it's a a different matter in in terms of your identity. But you and, and your connection with Christ are linked And he said, my purpose is to represent Christ in every situation I'm in. But then it it was almost like in the same, it was in the same sentence on on the phone where he said, but but I'm an imperfect representation of Christ. Okay, We're linked, we bring Christ into every situation, but it's an imperfect reflection. Incomplete representation, and we're slowly being changed into his likeness. And he referenced 2 Corinthians 3.18 about slowly being changed. And then the hope in this, I mean, counselors are great for this, where they, they kind of walk you through and they give you something to look, they have a hopeful ending to shoot for, and the hope that is there is that one day we will be like him. And he's referencing 1 John 3, uh, 1 and 2. And when I take that conversation and uh, the, the quote from Jocko and put them together, the thread that they have together is that our identity is rooted in Christ. Okay? If, for, for a believer, they're linked. And secondly, they, they, they spoke of how imperfect that is. It's flawed. It's incomplete. There's, there's a measure of trial and error. And then they also talked about how it happens slowly. Uh, It's a process where we become more like Christ as we persistently seek him, as we choose to live for him, slowly change into his likeness. Do you and I find our identity in Christ? How, How you see yourself. Do you see yourself as a son and daughter of the Messiah? The, the, the one that is bringing in God's kingdom into this world? Do you see yourself with that kind of belonging? I want to put a, just like a, a little twist to this uh, identity application. And I'm still, again, devotionally, I look at, at just three verses out of Mark chapter 8. And I look at the questions and and kind of flip them on their head a little bit. So one of the questions in there was, who do people say I am? You know, the Elijah, John the Baptist one. 
flip that around a little bit. Who do people say you are? Who do people say I am? In, in other words, what, what's reflected from your identity? Okay. D- does being a child of God, does it even show? About a week and a half ago, we had a global leadership summit. And one of the speakers, Joseph Grenny, in, in his talk about intentional influence, quoted a Barna research statistic that is unfortunate, but I think we can say, yeah, that, that makes sense. The statistic was this. Only 15% of people notice any difference in the behavior of Christians. You get a non-Christian, you get a Christian. Is there any difference in how they live? Research, only 15% see any difference. There's another passage that, that I think is a, is a great passage. When I think of identity, it's like, oh, wait a minute. If, if people really lived out, they're, they're a son and daughter of the king. <laughs> if they lived that out, what would it look like? Here's another passage to look up, and, I, and I'll read it and so forth. But it's Luke 6, 27 through 36. Luke uh, 6, 27 through 36. So here it goes. But I tell you who hear me, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on the cheek, turn to him the other. If someone takes your cloak, don't stop from taking stop him from taking your tunic. Give to one who asks you. If anyone takes what belongs to you, don't demand it back. That's interesting. Do to others what you would have them do to you. Golden rule. Where'd that come from? Bible. Okay, so now this part. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Like, big deal. Even sinners love those who love them. See, there's nothing uniquely Christian... There's nothing unique about your identity as a follower of Christ if you love those who love you. That's where the 15% comes in, you know. Or, uh, verse 33, if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Again, so what? Even sinners do that. If you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full, but love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting anything back, then your reward will be great, and you will be sons, and I throw in their daughters, you'll be sons, daughters of the Most High, because he, this is how God acts, he's kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful as your father, again, your identity, are you a son, daughter, be merciful as your father in heaven is. So I'll just boil it down, long passage, boil it down to these Actions. This, this is how, if we identify as, as a son or daughter of, of, of God, this is the difference it can make in how we live. That we love, we do good, we bless, we pray for, we give, we let. This is toward challenging people now. <laughs> Lend, don't expect, that's a tough one. <laughs> Skip some of that expectation stuff. 
be kind, be merciful. See, this is what it looks like when people live out their identity as a follower of Christ. Do, Do you see why identity matters? Your identity, who you are, who's, put it that way, whose you are, it matters because we live out of that identity, hopefully. Actually, I think we do, so maybe it gets back to what do we really believe about Jesus? Just a final thought, going back to the earlier uh, story of identity theft where Mark Bottomore's identity was stolen by Milton LeBlanc. I think, how could Milton convince police and others that he's somebody else, that he's Mark? How did he do that? How is Milton, his identity and his crimes linked to Mark? It happened because somewhere in the past, they had lived in the same house. I think Mark's mother was in there, but they they were under the same roof. And so there's a certain amount of access to seeing his behavior, his actions. Certainly it's it's opportunist to, to steal, I don't know, driver's license, credit cards, whatever. No, and they weren't friends. But still, he knew enough of the comings and goings over the whatever period of time they were, they were in the same house to, to be able to pretend, hey, I'm not Milton, I'm Mark. And he had some of the statistical things memorized. That's not unlike how our identity is linked to Christ when we're under the same roof, so to speak. And I'm not talking about, okay, yeah, Jesus, he's a, he's a picture on the wall. Okay, this kind of casual thing, but we're, he's a part of our life. We live with him. Our identity is linked. The more he, he's our Savior, our, our Lord, he, he's just everything. Identity matters. Who you are, whose you are. It matters if you see yourself as a child of God. Jesus is far more grand. His purpose is far more grand than people make him out to be, many times. So it comes down to who is Jesus for you? Okay. I mean, he's got his own identity. I'm not pretending that he's confused. Okay. But, but in terms of us embracing who he is, who is he to you? Do you identify with him at all? Okay, we start there. Do we even identify with, with Jesus? Is he a casual acquaintance? That's not a bad start, but hopefully it's just a start. Is he a friend? Okay, how close a friend? Is, is he Lord? Is he master? Or you just say, he is everything to me. Absolutely everything. Who is Jesus? I asked the worship team to sing a specific response song that, that's, the title is Jesus Messiah. It seemed to fit the passage. And 
I want us to reflect when, when we sing this song, reflect on the, the message. And maybe in doing that, I know times when I'm reflecting on, on the, the music, I have to just not sing and, and just be in, in my own private thoughts thinking about what's going on. Or you might say, oh, I love that song and I embrace Jesus Messiah, he's, he's a, and you sing it twice as loud as you ever have before. Maybe you sing, and, and there's, a, there's a couple places you just skip, because you can't fully embrace it. But reflect on, on this song as, as we close. Oh. I, identity, your identity, my identity, it really, really matters. Amen. Pray with me a minute. Father God, thank you that we can even call you our Father, that that we can be your children, that we can be part of your grand plan for this world. Help us to live up, help us help us to live up to who we are. And for some, I do pray that they they begin that journey of knowing you and and falling in love with you. God, may we, may, may absolutely all of us never stop becoming like you for for Christ's sake. Amen.